Although President Xi has a job for life, he's under some pressure over there also. So it's a it's a it's a curious dynamic that we need to we need to be very very mindful of. Um, but from a business investment standpoint, we need clarity on trade. You get clarity on trade, business invest. You get productivity. You can sustain the expansion, sustain margins. So it really is uh, very very important. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch, and I'm Ryan Dietrich. Today, I'm on with my good friend and colleague, Jeff Bookbinder, up in Boston. Hey, Jeff. Hi, John. How are you? I'm pretty well, thank you. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, you, got, had a, you had a nicer weekend than I did, right? I got some time at the beach and uh, got my got my can ready to go before our big uh, annual conference. Uh, All righty. You do uh, SPF 70? I do fifty. Do you really? But, uh, you and I, I are bronze gods. I don't gods, burn that we? easily. I, you know, I, I don't have the uh, the Irish uh, blood in me, which is helpful. Yeah, I have to dive into a vat of seventy or something like that just to walk outside, and I have to put a little more on my forehead each year. I've noticed also. Yeah. So while you were at the beach, I was moving my daughter back to college. So, uh, but thankfully, I didn't lift too many. We may have sore backs this weekend, each of us, but I don't have a. Uh, uh, I didn't do too much heavy lifting. We left that to all the college kids, so wasn't wasn't too too bad. Well, good. I hope uh, hope everybody has a great school year. Absolutely, yeah, it's exciting. Coming time. up quick, no doubt, no doubt. And your little girls will be uh, going back when? A couple weeks. Yeah, we we start uh, right after Labor Day, so a little okay. bit later uh, up up here. It's interesting oh, how schools start at different times, but uh, I like having the uh, the full month of August uh, to. Uh, you know, sneak in the vacations and, and have the kids uh, uh, go to camp and all of that. So good been, deal. It's been a good summer, but uh, we've got a few more weeks left. Back to reality. Well, we definitely had reality in the markets last week, right? We had, uh, well, I think we should provide some context for our listeners as to our views as to what happened last week and then uh, provide everybody with some going forward uh, information that we covered in uh, our weekly market commentary, The New Abnormal. Uh, perhaps we should call it Abbey Normal. I recently saw the musical Young Frankenstein by some young uh, high schoolers here in town recently, and I, I just love that line about Abbey Normal from uh, uh, Marty Feldman's character. So it was a great, <laughs> great play. Now, looking at last week, Jeff, obviously uh, last Monday, this is being recorded on Monday the 19th, but the 5th, where we got hit so hard, it was the worst day of the year, and that was a, a function of... Uh, couple things. Uh, the week prior, we had a Federal Reserve that cut rates only 25 base points. Now, that was the forecast, but this market was clearly expecting a little more of a gift. So that was a disappointment. The market kind of bought the rumor, sold the news, as we had suggested a week or two prior. Never expected, obviously, uh, Monday's activity. But nonetheless, that was compounded, right? Because the U.S. left the negotiations in Beijing on Thursday of the prior week, uh, with no deal and really no progress. And then over the weekend, the president uh, uh, threatened 10% tariffs on the additional $300 billion in trade with China. And then the Chinese stopped buying agricultural products. Uh, they let the yuan uh, devalue. And then we slapped on the currency manipulator. So other than that, it was a pretty boring period going into last week. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, n- not boring uh, in the least. Uh, and certainly the market is most focused on trade, which is where we led uh, with the weekly market commentary, mm-hmm. uh, you hit on some of the key sticking points there. Uh, you've got, um, you know, the, the tariffs, of course, uh, are really being used by President Trump to put pressure on the Chinese. It hasn't seemed to work yet. 
we'll see if it does later on. And then the currency weakness, you know, with all the pressure that, uh, that Trump's putting on the Fed to cut rates, that's really tied into the Chinese currency situation. Mm-hmm. It's a currency war, uh, just as much as it is uh, a trade war here. You know, we can help trade if we can keep the dollar uh, a little bit weaker. And isn't that the dynamic, right? Because, uh, you know, it's been a trade thing all along, but we've we've felt for quite a while now that if you think about government pulling four levers to get the economy and the markets going again, really the economy going again, it can be taxes, which are favorable. It can be regulation, which is favorable. It can be government spending, which is favorable. But then trade has offset that. And then you take it down to the dynamic of the Federal Reserve. You know, their official mandates are to keep as full an employment situation as possible and uh, keep a lid on inflation. And I think you could say they've accomplished both those goals. However, their unofficial mandate is the currency. And uh, that is just a a fascinating dynamic right now when you see our Federal Reserve cutting interest rates with intentions to do more and our dollar strengthened. And it really is... uh, a function of, and then that moves out, that moves into a curve implication as well, right? Because, you know, their their investors are still uh, global investors are still buying risk assets in the U.S. and still buying our currency and buying our ten-year, uh, basically, whether it's safe haven or, you know, we're less absurd than the rest of the world. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, the the yield curve continues to get a lot of attention, right? The, the short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates which historically has preceded a number of recessions. But mm-hmm. given the, um, and we talked about it a lot here and elsewhere, um, given the significant downward pressure on our yields from low overseas yields, negative overseas yields, and we have um, the most negative yielding sovereign debt, I believe, in the history of the world. Yes. Um, Upwards of 15 like trillion or so. Yeah. Trillion. Right. So uh, it's just such an abnormal, hey, there you go, there's the title of the weekly market commentary, such an abnormal environment that um, I just have a hard time believing that the yield curve is telling us we're going to have a recession. Right. And I think that's, uh, you know, something investors need to uh, try and appreciate and try and figure out, you know, are, are traditional signals applicable today? You know, it's always dangerous to say it's different this time, but when the world's leading central banks have essentially quintupled the size of their balance sheets and created all this excess liquidity. That is a dynamic that we've not experienced previously. So to the degree that, you know, really Ryan and I have talked about, I think you and I have talked about in the past also, about a uh, tale of two curves. If you want to think about the 90-day treasury and the two years telling one story, the twos and tens, twos and thirties telling a different story. The first part, 90s and twos are telling us that policy is too tight given the trade uncertainty. Twos and tens, even though they've narrowed to 10 basis points, and twos and thirties obviously a lot wider, those are suggestive of a dynamic that the Fed will ultimately be successful once they conclude this easing campaign to the degree that the curve is steeper at the long end. It would suggest to us that we will get some inflation out of that, we will get some growth out of that, and consequently the the market is voting accordingly. And John, certainly several Fed rate cuts, which we could get. Uh, will uh, will help normalize the curve. We, we've also talked about how the Fed is our friend, right? And how um, historically, when they start easing, that's good for stocks as long as they don't start right at the you know the cusp of a recession, which happened in 2007. You know, happened uh, certainly before that uh, during uh, the tech boom. So you've got um, Fed at your back. 
and you've got pretty good fundamentals overall. You've talked a little bit about that. I mean, even the tax cuts um, from 2017 uh, had these uh, business spending incentives. Those are still there. Certainly, we're still benefiting from the tax cuts, right, the fiscal stimulus uh, plus government spending. All of those supports, uh, we think, should um, enable the economy to withstand the trade hit, right? And we just want to get to the point where, you know, the pressure is enough on both sides that they give. Um, whether that happens, you know, in the next few months or leaks into the 2020 campaign season, it's hard to say. I guess you could argue whether the campaign season has already started. Yes. But um, I think if it gets, uh, you know, if this dispute drags well into 2020, I got to think the president's going to be a little bit nervous about uh, his reelection prospects. Yeah, and although President Xi has a job for life, he's under some pressure over there also. So it's a it's a it's a curious dynamic that we need to we need to be very very mindful of. Um, but from a business investment standpoint, we need clarity on trade. You get clarity on trade, business invest. You get productivity. You can sustain the expansion, sustain margins. So it really is uh, very very important. So we've said uh, in our mid year outlook, growth can be closer to the two and a half percent range with clarity on trade. Uh, economic growth will probably slip to the 2% range, which is basically trend for the past decade without clarity on trade. But nonetheless, uh, the trade headlines are really adding adding to market volatility. And uh, we just want to make sure that uh, you know our investors are prepared for the new abnormal. So why don't we, uh, instead of looking backward, let's look a little forward a little bit with this week's weekly market commentary. Now, when you and I and Barry uh, Gilbert and Callie Cox worked on this report last week, there were several areas. I'll let you highlight those, Jeff. Sure. Yeah. Well, we talked about the first one, which is which is trade, um, and we continue to believe that um, you know the two sides are going to keep talking. I mean, it's hard to say whether they're going to meet face to face next month or not, but they'll keep talking. There's a lot to lose on both sides, and as that pressure ratchets up, you just referenced it, John. Pressure is ratcheting up on on China too. You know that should keep the dialogue going, and and hopefully we can get to some sort of an agreement, a truce, a partial deal. Uh, it's not going to fix all the uh, the issues, but uh, hopefully progress within the next uh, several months. Mm-hmm. We also provide some perspective on the recent volatility. You know, Wednesday was a you know big test that the market passed, certainly down you know two percent intraday, and then ended up flat. Uh, certainly, it was quite a roller coaster. There, yes, there are some buyers uh, waiting, whether they're computer buyers or human buyers. There are buyers waiting in the wings to buy the dips, so that's uh, certainly encouraging. And we were only down marginally last week, right? So mm-hmm. um, the volatility peak to trough this year is only about 7%. You know, in a normal year, we see a 14% drawdown. Uh, in a normal up year, we see on average an 11% drawdown. So this is still a quiet year uh, relative to historical averages. We have a chart in the report that shows that. It's one of my favorite charts showing the annual performance of the S&P against the max drawdown intra-year. And so it shows you that the market is resilient. Uh, And uh, that points to, um, I think, a really important message uh, for investors that, uh, you know, maybe this goes a little bit further. You know, maybe we test the... um, you know, the 200-day moving average, which is around 2795 on the S&P, that's about, you know, 3 to 4% below uh, where we are right now as we're recording. No, so that's certainly 
well within the realm of possibility, but there is some support uh, that we think um, will hold, and this really is. It's not a normal year in terms of headlines and, and policy, but it's a normal year in terms of, uh, uh, of volatility. Uh, and then the last point I'll make uh, from the report is, again, going back to the Fed, you know, the Fed's our friend. You, many of you, I'm sure, have heard the old market adage, don't fight the Fed, right? Well, if you go back and look at when the Fed starts easing after a series of hikes, uh, if it's not a recessionary environment, on average, the S&P is up 16% one year later. So that would be one year after the July 31st cut. So the Fed historically, uh, you know, it has to be somewhat of a cycle, you know, probably multiple cuts, and, and it's almost a certainty we'll get multiple cuts this time. Maybe we get three. The market likes that. And so, you know, the Fed supports the economy with lower rates, certainly. It's debatable whether it's going to have that much impact uh, this time incrementally on the economy because, you know, it's 2%, 175, it's not really changing behaviors all that much, but the stock market tends to really like uh, rate cuts here, and um, certainly that's been part of why we're up this year. Obviously, we've talked about trade quite a bit, and on the volatility, yeah, that perspective is really key because as painful as last week may have been uh, at given points, uh, it was a 7% drawdown peak to trough. We opened uh, early this week on the 12th. We opened at 2% from the high. Now, we, we were giving that up this morning. Again, Monday, Monday the 12th, we're backing up uh, a little bit. But the whole idea that we need to keep in mind is, you know, this volatility is normal. You know, even in up years, we see 11% pullbacks. Most years, on average, we see a 14% pullback. So I think that's something to keep in mind. And again, given the backdrop of solid fundamentals, uh, the absence of recession anytime soon, given these fundamentals of full employment, low inflation, solid consumer demand, and the incentive for businesses to invest, 100% immediate expensing should not be sneezed at, right? It's a very, very important incentive that I'm sure they're chomping at the bit, but they need clarity first. And then moving to the Federal Reserve, uh, I guess the average, it's at least a year and a half, right, of... Uh, uh, from a calendar standpoint, from the number of Fed cuts on average, so it's, I think, something like 500 days on average that the, the easing cycles persist. And to your point, you know, a 16% average return during that is something for investors to keep in mind during the volatility. So we, we've talked about trade. We've talked about volatility and provided some perspective there. Uh, the market obviously likes an easier Fed. An economy likes an easier Fed also, right, because that reduces home home mortgage loans, uh, auto loans, and a variety of other credit experiences to, uh, to spur investing and consumption. And, and when all else fails, we look at our charts. And, you know, Ryan, Ryan is our, our big chart fan, uh, as well as Scott Brown on the team. Why don't we talk about some of the key technical levels to watch? Because, again, you know, the S&P pulled back after all the volatility, probably only pulled back a half a percent last week down a similar amount uh, thus far this morning. Why don't you uh, address some of the technical levels that we'll be monitoring on the S&P 500 in the coming days and weeks? Sure, John. Uh, yeah, so I think the good news here is that we have uh, some some cushion below us here. And even if we go down to you know the 200-day moving average, which is 2794, uh, you know, right now we're like 2895, so that's about 100 points down which is about 3.5%. So even if we get on 3.5%, that's still not much more than this 
actually, it's not even a 7% drawdown at that stage. Right. Uh, if you go down to the June lows, 7% drawdown, that's 27.44. That is a 5% drawdown from here. You mentioned we were only 2% off mm-hmm. late last week. So uh, and that would be I think the, total um, or again, so, right? the market will support stocks down in that range again. And frankly, you know, we're kind of, you know, sentiment watchers here, too. And um, there is more pessimism on trade today than there was a few months ago, right? When there's negativity priced in, uh, maybe bad news won't be as harmful uh, to the market. And, you know, it certainly market took some uh, some hits last week and held up uh, really well. It's taking a little bit of one this morning here. Uh, we think um, those levels uh, will hold but even if we don't, even if we break the 27.44, we go down, you know, six, seven percent more from here. We still won't be at the 10 percent correction uh, threshold. So uh, we think buyers will step in down there, but uh, certainly uh, it wouldn't be uh, out of the realm of possibility to see a 10 percent correction here if the news gets worse than what the market has already uh, digested. Right, and, and and that that would be a normal. You know, normal cost of doing business in the financial markets, and I think we have to be very, very mindful of that. But to your point, with a Fed in an easing cycle, and uh, you know, it's conceivable to buy programs and investors just get too excited at the 200-day, and we may not see that 10% correction. But nonetheless, uh, we have to be mindful of it. To wrap up, Jeff, trade obviously is in the news, volatility perspective, uh, the Fed being our friend. And when you have the Fed being our friend, uh, the market tends to discount things at lower interest rates, which could see some P.E. multiple expansion, which is a very, very curious dynamic in year 10 of an economic and market cycle. But nonetheless, it's something we'll be looking at when looking at when when making our projections over the next several weeks for our 2020 economic growth, interest rate and earnings forecast. So uh, to wrap it up, Jeff, why don't you make a couple of comments on second quarter earnings and then I'll then I'll close it out. Great. Thanks, John. So uh, all in all, pretty good earnings season relative to expectations. I think it's important to peel back the onion and look at some of the some of the drags individually. So we're we're tracking to about flat. Some of the data sources have us up a percentage point or two. That's not bad. It takes the uh, earnings recession out of the mix and um, is a you know, pretty nice beat relative to expectations when earnings season began. But the big drags are, you know, Boeing had this massive charge. We've all seen that story in the news. That was about a percent and a half uh, off of S&P 500 earnings for the quarter. And then you had a strong dollar, which weighs on international profits for U.S multinational companies take two points out there so you're really up four to five if you just take those two factors out which are, of course will not necessarily uh, repeat that's pretty good earnings power uh, at this stage and then in terms of guidance we always watch what companies say about the future news was pretty good there overall the tone has been a little bit more optimistic uh, than uh, it was in q1 the Actual numbers provided for future quarters were similar to long-term averages. Estimates almost always come down a bit, and they did come down uh, a bit uh, in line with what you typically see. And then we did, I guess the one piece that's not such such great news is um, tariffs and trade did get more negative mentions, not dramatically more negative mentions, 
but uh, certainly it's clear that companies are more concerned uh, about the trade situation. Absolutely. I'm afraid that's going to proliferate for a while, so we just have to be mindful of that and uh, uh, respect it, but also appreciate the other fundamentals. So, Jeff, thank you so much for your, your time and your insight today. Really appreciate it. And for our listeners, trade's going to prevail. We have to make sure that, that uh, you know, those headlines we keep in perspective relative to everything else going on in the economy. So we're, we're, we're constantly monitoring it. But when looking at trade, uh, looking at the volatility, what we've experienced recently relative to history, and then looking at the Federal Reserve and uh, their stated policy going forward, looking at key technical levels on the market, you know, we're not suggesting it's uh, going to be easy. It's going to be dicey. But going forward, we do think fundamentals will win out. And uh, again, title of our uh, mid-year outlook. We're going to continue to focus on the fundamentals to help uh, all our investors uh, make the best investment decisions. So, uh, Jeff, once again, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing you next week and uh, look forward to sharing with our listeners live from LPL's Focus event in San Diego next week. So that'll be a lot of fun. Everyone take care and have a great week. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPO Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.